As you start to reach more people, things start to feel more complex. There's more to do and more to keep track of, and it starts to actually take time away from creating content. I felt this struggle personally. The more creator science grew, the more it felt like I was dropping the ball. So I did something about it. I built a set of rock solid systems, all in Notion to support the business as we grew. And it worked like a charm. I've now taken my personal Notion setup and productized it. It's called Creator HQ, and it's the complete operating system that you need for your creator business. I built Creator HQ to be an all-in-one workspace designed to save you more time, create more content, and drive more revenue. By leveraging Creator HQ, we are publishing more than we ever have, and we're nearing $1 million in annual revenue because of it. It brings all of your data and processes into one place with custom-built dashboards to reduce friction in managing tasks, creating content, and collaborating with your team. I've seriously spent more than three years building this, and now you can have the same systems that I use right out of the box. In the lab, one of our members just posted, I have spent the last few weeks diving into Creator HQ, learning how it works, and making it my own. This is the first time in a while that I felt this organized and filled with hope that I can find a workflow that will work for me with my whole business. This is gold. I will definitely be giving a testimonial for this badass product. If you're new to Notion, don't worry. I've included a ton of specific tutorials to help you learn how to use Notion generally and Creator HQ specifically. I've never seen another Notion product integrate tutorials like we have here. More than 300 other creators are already using Creator HQ, and I am not exaggerating when I say I would be lost without this system. Creator HQ is what keeps the trains running over here. As a podcast listener, I'm giving you my best price. You can get 10% off using the promo code podcast at checkout. Just head to creatorhq.co to watch the video and learn more. That's creatorhq.co and use promo code podcast to save 10%. So I published it, I think, on like December 23rd, uh, 2017. And within three days, it was over a thousand views. And within a week, I had gone from like 650 subscribers to over a thousand subscribers. Welcome to Creative Elements, a show where we talk to your favorite creators and learn what it takes to make a living from your art and creativity. I'm your host, Jay Klaus. Let's start the show. Hello, another week, another new episode of Creative Elements. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you're doing well wherever you are, whatever you're up to while you're here listening with me. You know those people in your life that are basically just internet friends? People who you feel like you really know, like a real friend, but you've never actually met? Today's interview is with one of my internet friends, Matt Ragland. Matt is someone I've been connected with on Twitter for several years. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. I live in Columbus, Ohio, so we're not that far away. And we have so many mutual friends that we felt like we are friends too, despite having never actually met. So this conversation is literally our first ever face-to-face real-time conversation, which feels crazy because it was so easy to talk with Matt as soon as I got on the line. It just felt like we'd known each other for a very long time. And there's a very good reason to be talking with Matt today. Just about a month ago, on October 26, 2020, Matt announced that he was going to be leaving his full-time job. His tweet reads, quote, big news. This is my last week at Podia. I'm going to be a full-time creator. This journey started in 2010 when I set up my first blog. I started a podcast in 2013. In 2017, I started my YouTube channel. Now it's 2020 and I'm doing the damn thing. Wow. End quote. Now let me say right off the bat, Matt has had an awesome startup career. He joined ConvertKit in 2015 and then moved on to Podia in 2018. These are literally two of my favorite companies and two of my most useful pieces of software in my own business. Seriously, I would be remiss if I didn't say that ConvertKit is an unbelievable email marketing tool and Podia is my favorite platform for course creation. Podia has been a longtime sponsor of this show and Creative Elements listeners save 15% by visiting jklaus.com Podia. I'm also a ConvertKit affiliate, so if you're ready to level up your email marketing, visit jklaus.com ConvertKit to learn more. Okay, back to Matt, back to the reason that we're here. Matt's YouTube channel has taken off over the last few years where he makes videos about the bullet journal process, productivity, and time management. Hi everyone, my name is Matt. Welcome to another bullet journal productivity video. In this episode, I'm really excited to share with you a simple three-step habit loop that you can use to build good habits.
I love Matt's story because as he very succinctly shared in his announcement tweet, he's been creating for 10 years. Since you're listening to the show, chances are you've thought about going full-time as a creator yourself, but you may not have been working at it for 10 years like Matt has. And at the same time, Matt has had the opportunity to work at two really great companies in the creator space. So not only is going full-time as a creator scary, but it means giving up a startup career that he worked really hard for. Last month, he made a really great video to illustrate this tension called I Quit My Job for YouTube, where he has a conversation with himself through two characters, Startup Matt and Creator Matt. Hey. Startup Matt? Yeah, it's me, the one and only. What are you doing here? Is it true that you, me, us, director at a successful startup now? Oh, yeah, you mean Podia. That was, that was a great job. I really love being there. Nice, yes. We did it. Five years, so much hard work. At... Wait, was a good job? Enjoyed being there? Past tense? Yeah, I work for myself now. I'm, I'm really excited. There's just, it's only been a couple of weeks, but I have so many ideas and... What? Did you get fired? Because there was that time that we almost got fired. Did you actually get fired this time? No, I, I, quit. I quit on my own terms. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna have to backtrack. I'm gonna have to backtrack. You know how hard we worked for this. This was the big goal. This is what we, I, this is what I worked for, and you're just gonna throw it all away. You were a director at a successful startup, and now, what? I know, I know. and the people were awesome. They were very kind and supportive, and we did a ton of great work together. You know how much money you were making, right? Yeah, more money than I've ever made in my life. Oh my gosh. Okay. More than we made in three years combined, not too long ago. I love this video and a link to the full version is in the show notes. Matt's story is super relatable and also super aspirational. So in this episode, we talk about creator Matt's journey, starting with blogging in 2010, startup Matt's time at ConvertKit and Podia, how to construct multiple products at different price points, breaking through on YouTube, and how his curiosity has helped him find a path to going all in as a full-time creator. I'll be sharing some of Matt's videos this week in our Creative Elements listeners group on Facebook, so join us there if you haven't already. The link to that is also in the show notes. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at jklaus. Let me know that you're listening. But now, let's hear from Matt. Ten years ago really does feel a lifetime ago and I mean, 10 years is a pretty good amount of time but to do things on the internet it feels even longer in that amount of time 2010 just trying to write a couple of times a month you know while i was working at a summer camp in north carolina camp rockmont for boys was the job that i had at that time and yeah just starting starting to write starting to share i was reading a lot of books on writing and storytelling and I had been going through like Joseph Campbell's Man of a Thousand Faces and the Power of Myth and uh, Jeff Goins and Michael Hyatt and just a lot of people that I was reading about in terms of like writing and marketing and leadership and I thought you know I have my ideas about this as well and not only do I want to uh, talk about them but I want to have a place to share my ideas and thoughts and so the very first blog that i set up there's a good chance that it's <laughs> still around but it was like a wordpress.com blog so early on and this is something we can talk about as well i like to give myself like milestones in terms of like making commitments and so i just set up a wordpress.com blog not even like my own domain and said if i can get to x number of posts then i'll get my own domain name and I've used that, I've used that uh, trick in a lot of different like platforms and channels that I've you know been set up on since. But that was that was the genesis of it. That was the beginning. Did you have any 
thought around what specifically you'd be writing about? Or were you just like, I just want to get into the practice. I'm going to write whatever I can. And was there a cadence even? There wasn't really a very good cadence. And we can come back to like the cadence and the consistency and how that changed everything for me. But uh, early on, I had a general idea of things that I was interested in. Like I was, I've always been really interested in marketing, leadership, psychology, like what what gets people to do the things that they do, whether that is <laughs> something they realize or, you know, often don't realize we're following these patterns. I was way too broad at the beginning, but those were a lot of the things that I like to write about. I also, you know, did like book reviews, uh, really anything. So there was some structure to it. I would say there are three, there were three or four main topics that I would talk about. But if I went back and look, it would probably be even less structured than I'm thinking about right now. I'm sure this will be a theme that we talk about quite a bit in this conversation, but I go back and forth on this because as more and more information has become available through the internet and there are more people creating whatever it is than ever before, you get more and more people saying that the, the thing you should do is niche down, be focused, have your thing, and like just be consistently doing that one thing in the beginning. And I think back to when I was starting too, and if I was trying to focus on just one thing, one, I don't know what that would have been. Two, I feel like the most important thing that I learned was just doing it and, and publishing consistently. You know, I'd love to hear your take on that and whether you agree or disagree with that, because you've probably heard the same advice of niche down, be specific, do one thing really, really well. Yeah, I think that has been propagated and promoted across the creative spectrum for two reasons. One is it's it's true <laughs> to a very large extent. And the second reason is because if it's true and if you can show case studies about it, then it's a lot easier to sell. <laughs> and so for people who like to talk about uh, building a platform and, you know, creating, creating an online business, that's a much easier direct sell <laughs> yeah. and being like, well, you know, talk about whatever and we'll just see what works out. Yeah, that's not a very compelling sale. It's not a very compelling pitch, but I do push back against it. And even I think you can see so many winding paths for the creators who are doing what they're doing now. And when you're listening to this, I want you to think, I, actually, I have a metaphor for this, but I want you to picture like kind of a, what's the word, an hourglass, or if like you're kind of a coffee snob like me, like a Chemex. Mm -hmm. So think of an hourglass. And a lot of times when people get started with content, and I know this is my story, it sounds like this is a lot of your story as well, is you have a pretty wide funnel at the top, like a pretty wide set of topics that you might pull from. And what's most important is to be consistent. And what you'll find is interesting is as you're consistent and, you know, as long as you are focusing on at least like a few kind of directed topics, then you'll see more and more what resonates with people. So you might start out talking about four or five things. And then you see like, oh, well, people are really resonating with these three things. So you just start talking about those three. And then you talk about some more like, oh, people are really resonating with this one thing. Now, all of a sudden, you've naturally kind of organically found your niche while you've built up content, while you've been practicing throughout this whole time. And you already have a set of people who are interested in what you have to show, what you have to show and what you have to share. And so we can talk about the bottom half of the hourglass and the Chemex uh, later on. But that's a good initial way that I've always thought about it is just by the nature of being consistent and putting content out there, you will attract people. And I do think that you should pay attention to your numbers. And even if you can't really follow the numbers, just seeing what the engagement comments, any kind of interest is be like, oh, people are, you know, just commenting and more engaged with this type of post or this type of topic than anything else. Let's spend some more time on that. And if the engagement continues to bear out, then great, you found your niche. That's a great point. I love that perspective from figuring out what is resonating with the people that you can reach right now. I also, I often think about when kids are asked to go to college and they say, choose a major. And the path that they're selling you is like, pick a major, work that job, retire after 30 years. What 18 year old knows what they want to do for the rest of their life. And for me coming into what I was doing, not, <laughs> not super, I, I didn't ever thought of myself as creative. I didn't also know what type of stuff I wanted to create. Like I had to spend some time figuring out what was interesting to me that I wanted to stick with 
which I think is really, really important in the beginnings of making stuff. And this advice of like focus on one thing is kind of like the step two where a lot of people are at step one, which is, well, how would I find what that one thing is? Yeah. And this is where like I have a I have another little framework for people to think through. And it's this idea of like kind of a variation on like a 10x rule. Now, normally you think about 10x rule and you think, how can I 10x something and take it to the limit and do all the things that, you know, whatever. You know, the kind of that it's a lot of times it's connected to that hustle culture. But I like to also think of it in terms of like the compounding nature of how long it takes to get good at something. And you can think of it in terms of like, okay, well, anytime that I want to try something for content, then I think, okay, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it 10 tries. That could be 10 episodes. That could be 10 blog posts, 10 videos, whatever it might be. And whether it's a new type of style or a new topic that I'm going to be talking about, I give it, I give it 10 attempts. So I get to see, is there engagement with it? Is there an intersection or a convergence of something that I'm interested in? Do I still like it <laughs> anymore after 10? And is anyone else engaging with it? So I think that's a good way to think about like some different topics or things that you might be interested in is give yourself a number of times that you want to try it out. And this doesn't even just have to apply to work and like creativity, but it could apply to working out, like go to CrossFit 10 times, go for a run 10 times and be like, okay. Because I do think that one of the great things about the internet is that, uh, and it can, it's one of those paradoxes, is that there is a lot of content out there, but there's also a lot of desire and eyeballs and ears that want to consume content. And so the more that you can like give yourself little experiments to see what's resonating. Now you go from those 10, this is what I'm going to focus a little bit more on. Still doesn't mean you have to make it your career, but let's 10 X that initial practice and say like, okay, I'm now I'm going to make a hundred pieces of content on this. And that's when you'll really know, like after that, like for me, not only did I know after a hundred YouTube videos that like I was really enjoying it, but like I also saw that the resonance, the engagement was definitely there. And that was like a big win and thing to take notice of just for myself. I love that because people need to give themselves kind of an out or at least it helps, right? Because that's kind of a social contract that you've made with yourself to say, this is what I'm going to try to do. And if it doesn't work or if I don't like it, there's an out. I like that framing because a lot of people, when they think about creating something, it might feel like this daunting into perpetuity commitment mm -hmm. that is hard to commit to. So I love this framework that you're saying of let's, let's commit to 10. Now, once we pick a direction, let's commit to another 10 or another 100. Yeah. And you can go 10 by 10. What you'll see at 100 is normally around 100 you've gone from just trying something out to creating some re some real momentum and that's huge so once you can really get the ball rolling and hit 100 pieces of content 100 workouts 100 journal entries whatever it might be you're going to have some real momentum internally but also like if you're sharing this in public then it's usually i've seen around that time that you're creating enough of an audience that you're like okay if we're creative people and we want to share our work with the world, enough people that you're like, okay, this is pretty cool. Now, the next step you can talk about is going from 100 to 1,000. And that's just going from, I have some momentum to like, I'm a pro. And obviously that's a long slog, but you think about uh, some of the people that, like I, of course, connect with YouTube a lot, but like MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee, he has over 1,000 videos on YouTube. Do you want to know, do you want to know, Jay, how many subscribers Marquez Brownlee, who has, I think, 12 million subscribers at this point, do you want to know how many subscribers the great MKBHD had at 100 when he made 100 videos, his 100 videos, how many subscribers do, did he have? I don't know. How many? Is it hundreds? Is it in the 76. hundreds? 76. 76. 76. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Insane. But he kept putting in, uh, Casey Neistat has also been over a thousand has also been over a thousand videos now. Um, he's one of the most popular YouTubers as well. But I mean, you see what, I mean, Marquez is one of my favorite stories. And so, yeah, just those, those milestones matter though. And I loved 
how like there's a video of him from like eight years, eight, nine years ago where he's like, hey, guys, this is my first big YouTube milestone. I made 100 videos and he's like 12, <laughs> 14 or something <laughs> at this point. Video number 100. Woo. So, yeah, welcome to video number 100. Um, I have to say it's pretty good that I've gotten to upload 100 good videos for you guys over the past couple of months, basically. And so what I'm going to go into is that right now I have, I'm going to check right now. Right now I have approximately 70-ish subscribers. And he's like, I just want to say thanks to my 76 subscribers. And I saw that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what a guy. This is amazing. And now Crazy. 900 plus videos, 1,000 videos later, 11 million subscribers later. Here we go. When we come back, we talk about Startup Matt's time at ConvertKit and Creator Matt's foray into podcasting right after this. If you know me, you know how much I believe in memberships. My membership is the core of my business and earning an income directly from your audience is one of the most sustainable ways for you to become a professional creator too. So I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Uscreen. Uscreen is a beautiful all-in-one platform that helps content creators earn a living from their videos by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. You can host private live streams for your members, build an on-demand catalog of premium content, and Uscreen gives you a community hub to interact with your members too. They can access your community from their mobile phone, so your membership is right there in their pocket. With a Uscreen account, you get video hosting, an out-of-the-box website, full payment and subscription management, and plenty of third-party integrations too. And Uscreen makes it easy to get set up. You get access to powerful website themes that are fully brandable with no coding skills required. Uscreen will even provide a dedicated success manager for you. Just about anyone that wants to make money from their content can do it with Uscreen. It's perfect for coaches, authors, influencers, and entrepreneurs in just about any niche. Right now, Uscreen is used by creators in fitness, education, news, kids entertainment, and more. That includes Yoga with Adrian and Creator Now, just to name a couple. Uscreen is the platform for building a video membership site that is great for generating a sustainable income for professional creators. If you create video content for your audience, I highly recommend checking it out. If you're interested in learning more about Uscreen, visit uscreen.link slash J. That's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot link slash J and let them know that I sent you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Last year, my wife and I started talking about her joining the business full time. This is a huge decision, not just for the business, but for our marriage. My wife, being the very smart and thoughtful woman that she is, suggested that we proactively sign up for therapy as a couple to help us communicate better before we started working together. It really helped us have better language to describe how we're feeling and listen to one another, which generally lowers the intensity of any conversation. Now, I had never been in therapy before, but here's something that I didn't expect. It didn't just help our dialogue, but it helped my inner monologue too. The way I understand my own experience has changed based on the tools that I got from therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's convenient, it fits your schedule, and you can be in the comfort of your own home. Just fill out a short questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. They even make it easy to switch therapists if it doesn't feel like a fit. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com creator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash creator. Welcome back to my conversation with Matt Ragland. After a few years of writing and working at a summer camp, Matt's curiosity began to kick in. He was starting to get interested in podcasting, but he also started exploring jobs at startup companies. So while creator Matt started to explore the world of audio, startup Matt was born. Yeah, so all this time I'm working full-time with a brief exception in 2013. Actually, the I, and I didn't really think that I was going to be a full-time blogger. I didn't understand even still like kind of how that would work because this was before online courses, uh, sponsor, even like sponsorships for podcasts were kind of a thing. Like even podcasts were still just kind of a thing back then, but they were a thing for, for the super youngins in the group <laughs> that are listening. In 2013, we moved from Asheville, North Carolina to Nashville, Tennessee, where we are still living now. And I had left my job because we were moving so my wife could go back and get another degree. And I 
thought, okay, well, this is a good opportunity for me. I thought I would freelance. I would build websites for people. I could build like WordPress websites pretty quick using templates. And, you know, that was and still is <laughs> pretty much anyone needs if you just want to get a site up. So I was doing that. And, you know, after the first year of doing that, I had made about $30,000, which I was pleased with for my first year. The downside of that was 27,000 of those dollars had come from my part-time job at UPS. Ah. And so <laughs> I was still doing a lot of work on the side. And I did try and do a podcast. I actually gave myself 30 episodes at that point. I did 30 episodes of a podcast. I don't think you can find it anywhere, but it's called, it was called Story Signals. You're listening to the Story Signals podcast, episode number 20 with James Clear. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Story Signals for episode number 20. I'm so glad to be at this milestone, and thank you for all of the support and the ratings and the reviews and the shares that you've given for the show and all the guests that have been on. I'm just so excited, and this has been so much fun, and really looking forward to the next 20 episodes. One of the nice things about that podcast was it did get me connected with some really great people because podcasting was still like super new at that point. So if you could show like you had a podcast with a website and it was on iTunes, we were like, okay, I guess this is legit. And so I did get to uh, interview some great people. One of them, our mutual friend, James Clear. I had James on a podcast six years ago, which is pretty crazy seeing where, where he's For gone sure. since then. You know, Jeff Goins was was on there. You know, some other people, Ryan Delk, who at the time was chief marketing officer at Gumroad, a lot of people will be familiar with and but then in 2015 and maybe this is the in terms of monetization I wasn't really doing much and I think a lot of that was just kind of my mindset and how I wanted to monetize and not being like super confident about a lot of those things but also not having a framework for thinking about how would I actually like monetize a podcast like it sounds kind of silly to think about right now, like, oh, we just go find sponsors. But like I said, unless you were a really big podcast back then, like sponsors were not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like even Pat Flynn, who is like uh, smart passive income was, you know, really big. Even then, like Amy Porterfield show, even they like initially didn't have sponsorships for a really long time. So even like the big shows didn't do spot, didn't really do sponsorships. And around that time is also when... I'd say 2014, I had been like studying tech marketing and content marketing for a really long time and really long time, I guess, being four years at this point. And I started applying to startup to startup tech companies. And so there was Buffer, there was uh, back, Backcountry.com, which was really early and like the tech and e-commerce space. And then just, you know, help scout a bunch of bunch of companies as like a marketer, as a content marketer writer. And none of those, none of those worked out. I did do some contract work with uh, Sumo. So like AppSumo, Sumo Me, not just Sumo. And then in October of 2015, I landed my job at ConvertKit. Up to this point, creator Matt was really running the show. But once Matt landed this job at ConvertKit, a very young company at the time, startup Matt began to take over. And he had to, because ConvertKit was just about to take off. Well, first of all, um, shout out to Brian Harris, a friend here in Nashville. And he introduced me to Nathan because I was still, uh, you know, looking, looking for a role. And I guess we had had... Nathan and I might have shared some like back and forth emails. I think at some point I had tried to get him on the podcast a year earlier, um, but, you know, schedules and stuff. And so we had had a little bit of connection and I remember message, you know, emailing him back and forth and he was like, well, you know, this, you know, like we had done some resume and, you know, just like, how would you answer you know, support tickets or help these customers? And I had also done some like webinar and workshop, like live training. Uh, before that he had seen. And so he's like, well, 
ConvertKit's starting to grow a little faster and we could really use someone that helps with just like getting on, it wasn't even a Zoom call back then, but you know, getting on a <laughs> Google Hangout and just answering people's questions about like how to use ConvertKit. Cause I had signed up for ConvertKit in August of that year. So I am a proud three digit user ID in, in wow. ConvertKit. I think I'm like maybe in the, maybe in the four hundreds, like something like, something like that. But and the day, actually the day or maybe the week of me starting just my, just my part-time, just my contract at ConvertKit was the week that Pat Flynn's article, why I switched from AWeber to Infusionsoft to ConvertKit came out. And for six months after that, so from October, November, like six months forward, ConvertKit, when I came on, had less than 500 active customers. And then we doubled every month for the next six months and <laughs> yeah, still have. And even after we stopped doubling because like, at you know, at a point those numbers just don't necessarily make sense anymore <laughs> is that uh, we still continued with a very like 30 to 40% uh, month over month growth for well over a year. And all this was like just a credit, you know, credit to Nathan and many other people who worked on the product, but this was without, we never had a like just straight up free trial I don't even think we had, we may not even had any kind of free trial. Like you still put your credit card in, which already like <laughs> that doesn't convert as well as just the free, the free trials for getting users. But yeah, so that was, that was really wild to be a part of that. How many employees were at ConvertKit at the time that you were there at the point you joined? The point I joined there, I was number five. And this was, you said around 2015. So this is two years post starting the podcast two years pre-starting the YouTube. So what, mm -hmm. is, what is creator Matt doing at this time while startup Matt is, is working at ConvertKit? Right. <laughs> what creator Matt is doing at this time is I'm still writing some, not very, not very often, but about once a month, I'd put something on my blog. And the other thing that just personally I was doing at that time that was kind of like a little uh, side hustle for me is that I was really into sketch notes at that time. So visual note-taking. And so the thing that I would do is I did build a little side hustle around like doing visual notes of people's blog posts or podcasts or something like that. I would illustrate the main points and then I would either share it on share it on my site. Sometimes I would do it for like for the, you know, for the content creator as a way to supplement their their content. And then eventually enough people were asking me about that, that that actually became my first online course it was a really like simple, called it the sketchnote starter course. I think it was like five or six lessons. I want to say I launched it maybe in, uh, yeah, probably Black Friday, Cyber Monday of 2016. And I think I launched it for like 27 bucks and sold 50. And that was my first, that was my first like, thousand dollar if i'm thinking of the math you know thousand dollar plus product that i that i had done i had done some you know some contract you know some just like freelance sales or revenue before that but in terms of like this is a product build once sell twice as jack butcher likes to say that was my first foray into that and i was like ooh, this is cool where did those 50 people come from? Was that an email list that you had built at the time? Was it your podcast audience? Who were those 50 mm -hmm. people? So I was, I was obviously using ConvertKit at that time. I had been, I've been really bullish on email marketing for years. And so I probably started my first email list on MailChimp in, you know, 20, probably in 2012, I started like building my email list. There are a very small handful of people that are still around from that list. But so I would, you know, say, you know, just a very, you know, very common, very common thing to a lot of people listening is I'd have my, I'd have my form on my website or I'd treat it as a lead magnet and say, I'll send you three, you know, a short three email course, email course on how to do some of these sketch notes on your own. And then that's how I, that's how I built that initial list. After the break, Matt and I talk more about his product launch and what he's learned about creating multiple products at different price points. You're going to want to hear this, so stick around and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement. 
For the past decade, Podcast Movement has organized the world's largest gathering of podcasters, featuring thousands of attendees, hundreds of breakout sessions, panels, and workshops, plus the largest trade show in podcasting. Podcast Movement helps podcasters of all experience levels create, grow, and profit from their show. It's suitable for beginners, but you'll also have the opportunity to meet some of the biggest names in the industry. I've been to several Podcast Movement events, and not only is the programming incredible, but the culture and vibe are incredible too. It attracts thoughtful, empathetic, and collaborative people, which makes sense when you think about the medium of podcasting. Podcast Movement hosts two events per year. The first just wrapped up, but their flagship conference is happening August 19th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Attendees have the freedom to choose their own adventure across several different stages throughout the four-day event, not to mention dozens of amazing networking events, parties, and the expo hall floor. Tracks include podcast creation, video and live streaming, industry professional, plus several stages of curated programming from some of the top companies in podcasting. It's truly a unique event, and if you are a podcaster, I cannot recommend it enough. Right now, tickets are available at super duper early bird pricing. And as a Creator Science listener, you can save $50 on top of that by visiting podcastmovement.com science. That's podcastmovement.com slash science. Welcome back. Matt had just told us about his first product launch in 2016 that resulted in 50 sales. That's a pretty exciting moment for any creator. So I asked him if creator Matt started to get curious about going full-time then. I wasn't in that headspace yet. And part of that is just more, I realize now, is more about like just what my headspace was capable of at that time. Like to me, even though like the $1,500 I made that month, I, you know, kind of in a bit of more too much in a mindset of like lack or doubt in my own self thinking like, well, that was nice. It was really nice. Like the, you know, at the time I was excited about it, but at the same time be like, ah, well, you know, can I do that every month? Like I just sold these people something. How can I sell them anything else next month? (laughs) And then, you know, it took me like, I just, I've been really analytical about numbers my whole life. My dad was, my dad was a CPA. And so like when I, when I do those kind of projections in my head, even though it's most of the time, very rough, like back of the napkin math saying like, okay, well, and I, I did this for, you know, four years, like really until last year and even the beginning of this year thinking like, okay, well, it was nice that I did this on my side hustle this month, but I need to replace X amount of revenue, (laughs) you know, pay salary from my job. And then how do I know that I can keep doing that month after month, like my salary comes in month after month. So I wasn't really thinking about taking this full time because I never, well, we'll talk about this a little bit more, I'm sure, but I never had still, I never had that mode of like, holy crap, I just did $100,000. Yeah, that still has not happened. (laughs) And now I've made the leap. So it's super interesting. And that's the reality for most creators. Most people, you know, you see you see these big stories, like the one that goes number one on Hacker News or on Indie Hackers or a tweet that goes viral. And they're like, I just launched this thing and I made $100,000. And you get this skewed look at what success looks like when you're launching a product. Because that moment of, I mean, $1,500 selling this product is as impactful to you emotionally, I would imagine, as uh, some of these big, big things that happen, especially when it's your first time. But it is difficult thinking about selling a product. You know, if you have, if you've been building an email list and it's 2,000 people and you say, hey, I made this thing and 50 people buy, next month, unless you bring in another new 2,000 people, it's not, you're not going to get the same result selling the same thing to the same audience who has already seen it once before. That's the harder engine to get rolling. Yeah, having levels of your products, levels of your offers, uh, all things that between my time at ConvertKit and then going into Podio, where I went in 2018, is like understanding how you can take the same idea of a product and scale it with, you know, definite changes in content, you know, in content and how it looks and engagement and access, but taking the same general idea for a product and scaling it from something that you offer as a tripwire, like a, you know, a quick, like a quick offer, a tiny offer at $27, all the way up to something that could be like a $2,000 coaching, you know, coaching program or a $5,000 coaching program. There are 
levels of products and offers that you can slot in <laughs> at every single price point in between then. And that was another thing that I just didn't understand at the time. We haven't had that conversation on the show yet. Can you talk more about those levels as you've seen them in action at ConvertKit, at Podia? Like, What are those different tiers of offers that you're seeing creators have success with? Let's take the example of like, I have my productivity flagship course, I'm call it 25 hour days. And it's all about how to create an extra hour of time in your day. And then what are you going to do with it? And then giving you the tools and the focus to like, use it for something that really matters to you could be a side hustle could be more time with your family could be like, another hour at work. Like sometimes we don't want to talk about that. But sometimes you just want to spend an extra hour at work so that you can get ahead and do what you need to do. And so that right now is going for $500. But what I also have, and it's about 15 lessons, it's a lot of expert interviews, it's templates, it's worksheets, it's all that. So let's just say it's about 30 pieces of content. Well, if that right now is $500, then what I can also do is create a $97, $100-ish starter sessions. And I take maybe the five or six core lessons, same stuff that I already have in the main course, five or six core lessons, videos, a couple of worksheets, templates, and one expert interview. I drop that in, that becomes the starter sessions, and that's $100. I could even take that uh, further down if I want. I could say like, here is a $27 workshop of me walking through how to plan out your week and how that, how to plan out your week and how that applies to how you plan your month and how you want to achieve goals in the next quarter. And there are a couple of worksheets in that. So now I have a $25 offer, a $100 offer, a $500 offer, and everyone who's in the $500 offer is also getting pitched in either my group coaching program, which pretty much covers all the same stuff, but anyone who's, you know, received uh, high level coaching <laughs> will know that like you may talk about the same things, but having that interaction with the expert, with the person that you admire, that really matters. And especially when you take something that may seem kind of vague in a lesson, because you're like, how can I apply this to my own situation? That's what the coach is for. And so now I've taken that $500, that group of people who are in the $500 flagship product, I'm saying like, hey, I have a $1,000 a month mastermind program. Or if you want to do one-on-one -on -one coaching, you'll make more progress and be more focused in these three to six months than any other time in your life. That three-month program is $5,000. So now we've taken something, all the same lessons, just different tiers, all the way from something that could be $25 up to $5,000. If I'm a creator listening to this and I'm saying, I love that. I want to build that ecosystem. What is your advice on order of operations for which offers to roll out first? Yeah. So you can think about this a couple of different ways. You can think about it from either, from either side. And I find this really interesting. Brian Harris has a great post about this to bring him up again. He calls the Hershey kiss model. And it's basically the, the Tesla model of like doing products, services, and coaching. And so what most people would, and this is what I did, and what most people will teach you is, because we could even take it down to free and say like, okay, what's a worksheet? Like how to plan your week? That's the lead magnet. And then they go into the $25, like, hey, here's a webinar. Yeah, and then we go up from there. That's the whole funnel. Not everyone's gonna go through the whole funnel, but you could, what most people do is start at the beginning. So it's like, I'm gonna set up an email list. I'm gonna have my lead magnet. Once I have the lead magnet, I'm gonna think about like, okay, how can I teach this in a webinar, in a workshop, charge for that? Then, you know, from there, just keep going up. What if instead, and sometimes it does take a level of established expertise to do this, but not always. What if instead you, because let's, let's think about the goal of making ten, your first $10,000. Well, is it easier? Let's think about that $100 offer even. Is it easier to find a hundred people who are going to actually buy your hundred dollar offer or 20 people who are going to buy your $500 offer? Or is it easier to find two people to get into your $5,000 three month coaching program? Hmm. That's a really interesting thing. It takes a different mindset to think about like, what would a $5,000 offer be versus a $25 offer? But it's not, I have also found that 
sometimes it's not as hard <laughs> as you would think. And for some people, it's just as hard to convince some people to buy your $500 thing as it is to buy your $5,000 thing. And when I realized that, it totally like, you know, blew the doors off my brain. Totally. I 100% agree with that because in my experience too, you just need such a large audience to have meaningful revenue from lower priced whatever it is. And that is not uh, an indictment on the value you can bring to somebody. You don't have to have a large audience to be someone that can really help people and be paid well to really help people. So I, I love the model of starting with the higher priced offer, whether it's personal coaching, group coaching, using that as an economic engine to yeah. save the time to create consulting the thing, services, build the audience. any of that can work. And, you know, what's cool is that I, I laid out the zero to 5k model. You can do the same thing backwards. So once you understand what it is you could offer as a $5,000, uh, as a $5,000 service or product or whatever it is, then you're going to talk to those people, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to learn what they need. And you think like, okay, well, we just went through this program with these, you know, people who paid me $5,000. What are the main questions? What are the main takeaways, the main lessons that I, you know, passed on to them as the expert? Okay. Try and think of 10 lessons, 15 lessons you've just outlined your $500 course or your $1,000 course. So if you're continuing to build your build your list through this and you're like, hey, this is a thing. And then you can also like have a clear price anchor and say like, hey, this is a thing that I charge $5,000 for. You can have it for 500. And then you take that and you're like, okay, well, all these people have gone through my $500 course now. What are the five or six main lessons in this that really resonated? Great, this is gonna be my $100 offer. And then you go down and like, hey, everyone, Everyone on my list. This is something I charge five, ten thousand dollars for. But I'm gonna teach you everything about it in this hour and a half workshop. So go ahead and sign up. It's only twenty-five bucks. Same, you know, same value, same thing I would take, I would take a one-on-one -on -one client through. And you just went from the top to the bottom instead. So despite Creator Matt's successful product launch, startup Matt was heads down helping ConvertKit handle their growth. But that was about to change as his curiosity towards video grew. So creator Matt had started taking hold again of my life in February 2017. And at this point, I really this is like in retrospect, when I started to like really formulate this idea of like the hourglass, you know, or the Chemex of like, okay, now I know there are three or four things that I like to talk about. I like to talk about marketing, I like to talk about psychology, I like to talk about productivity. And actually, it's just it was just those three. And then I just kind of like talked about talked about my life. No one really cared about those except for a few people, which is fine. One of them being my wife, which I can talk about that in a minute. That's why the that right works. person to care about your life. That's right. Well, what was interesting about that is if I talked enough about our life and we were in some like we were travel nursing at the time when I started uh, the channel and she really liked just watching like recaps of our family, <laughs> our family life. And my son, who was uh, about to turn two at the time, he liked watching them too. And so it gave me almost like more time to edit and shoot these videos because like everybody enjoyed watching them. And I knew though, that of those like three main things, marketing, psychology, and productivity, that those were what my videos were going to be about. And so I just created videos as consistently as I can, as I could. And I, to bring up James Clear again, he had a rule about his writing early on. You know, for the first three years that I wrote on jamesclear.com, I wrote a new article every Monday and Thursday. And so that feedback cycle is pretty quick. You know, you write an article, you send it out, email it out to the list, and then you start getting replies from people. I took that same approach to my videos. Didn't matter, like, even if it was just like four minutes of me sharing an idea on screen, like, and some days, <laughs> some weeks, that's all it was. It was just me with my iPhone and very average audio. You know, like, here's a concept for you, publish, and we're off. Uh, I didn't like, I didn't like today's vlog. I, I really didn't. And this is the 11th one. And I'm really proud of myself for that. I'm proud of myself for getting this vlog out today, this episode, because again, I don't feel great about it. But that's that's kind of the point, and it's kind of the important part about shipping one of these every single day. There's gonna be ones that I think really suck. Like I'm not 
pleased about today's. I tell you just a couple of things that I feel like I've learned already just in these 10 days. This again is day 11 of the vlog and shipping something, even though it's only been 11 days, I can't tell you the last time I wrote 11 days in a row. And I've really enjoyed putting out these videos every day. But it was within those videos in the first year that I talked enough about those topics that in December of 2017, I had made about 60, 65 videos at this time, and none were over a thousand views. I had about 600 subscribers after a year, basically a year. But I did look back, and because I had, you know, put, you know, put enough balls into play, because I had, you know, made enough attempts that I could look back and say, like, okay, what were the videos that did better? And my productivity videos had done better than my marketing and psychology ones. And the one that had done the best, like double most pretty much every other video, was one where I was talking about how I used a bullet journal to like plan out my week. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. This is by far my most popular video, like with nearly 700 views <laughs> at the time. And so I was like, well, you know, it's December. People are going to be planning out their new year pretty soon. I'm going to do that with a bullet journal anyway. So let me just talk about how I'm productive and plan out my year in a bullet journal. So I'm going to make a video about that. So made a video about that. And when I published, it, I was like, I feel pretty good about this one. We'll see how it goes. But I hope that this will be my first thousand view video, like for life, for the lifetime of the video. <laughs> and I hope that eventually this video helps me get to a thousand subscribers. That would be great. What I want to do here today with you is two things. One, I want to take you through everything that I do to plan my day, to plan my week and to plan my project batches, those four to six week sprints where I go through a really specific thing either with my side hustle or just specifically with ConvertKit. So that is what I'm going to spend the majority of this video on. And then the second half of the video, maybe last third of the video, is going to be a little review of this Baron Fig Confidant 2 notebook. So I published it, I think on like December 23rd, uh, 2017. And within three days, it was over a thousand views. And within a week, I had gone from like 650 subscribers to over a thousand subscribers. And then I was at 2000 subscribers by the end of January, 3000 subscribers by the end of February. And then I just kind of kept uh, growing from there. And then, well, before I get too far into it, I just went all in on it after that not just with YouTube as a content channel, but or as a content platform, but just like bullet journaling as a productivity, like Trojan horse, <laughs> in a sense. How well did you understand and craft your videos for YouTube search and when? You know, I have to say that I knew there were a few keywords that would hit pretty well. I had just done enough research to know that, and I used I used a uh, a plugin called TubeBuddy that you know, a lot of YouTubers will be familiar with. But it's just a way of looking at the only thing that I really use it for is like the tag relevance and the SEO keyword relevance. And so I already knew from my previous video that Bullet Journal was going to pay off. You know, just productivity planning I noticed was a keyword that was you know very popular at the time. And then the other one that really, you know, really helped was I said it was a minimalist bullet journal mm. and minimalism is still a pretty hot keyword. But y'all in 2017, the minimalists, Leo Babauta, uh, gosh, I, you know, there's it was just minimalism everywhere. If you had more than like 12 things, then like, what are you even doing? <laughs> well, th the reason I asked, you know, you said this was somewhere in video 60 something mm -hmm. that you you made this one and i'm curious if you wish you would have thought more intentionally from the beginning about search would you recommend that people looking at youtube as a platform today start thinking about search from day one or is it about just publishing your first 50 videos yeah i would say that it's more it's more about publishing your first 50 videos because i know myself and most other people will get too stuck and trying to figure out like, well, until I have the right keyword, 
it's not not worth doing. Not worth doing. No one's going to see it. I don't think that's true at all because there's also nothing that is more <laughs> frustrating than feeling like you checked all the boxes and the video is still not taking off. Like uh, earlier this year, I made one of the videos I was most proud of. Now at this point, I did have like you know thirty five thousand subscribers, and so like I was on my way. But I was like, ah, oh, this the people are locking down and they're working from home. A lot of them have kids. Of course, a lot of people have kids. <laughs> and so I made, like I did the research on it and spent so much time making this video about working from home, with how to be productive at home while, you know, with, with your kids or just like as a parent. And that video bombed so hard. I probably spent like two hours on the thumbnail and it's, it's, my, worst, it's my worst performing video of this year by, wow. by far. And so that's just an example is that even though you could say certainly like, oh, you know, you were at 35K subscribers at that time, like boohoo for you. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't matter if you're at 35K or 35 or 350 or anywhere in between the feeling of like, I checked all the boxes on this and now it's really disheartening to see that it is not even do, it's below average. And so doing your first 50, your first 10, your first 50, your first 100 to me is always goal number one. I will say that I do wish I had paid more attention than I did for that first year, even maybe the first 18 months, because maybe I could have like found a few, a few opportunities that I didn't just didn't recognize at the time. But yeah, it's still, you know, to be honest, it's, even if I had recognized early on, say when I did that first bullet journal productivity video in August, if I had noticed in September, like, oh, this one has, you know, a better click through rate. It has more like organic search. That's all. That's great. I'll do another video about this. The other thing that I've noticed is that like productivity and planning videos don't do as great in like, you know, kind of August, September, October. And they really, really ramp up. Now, you know, no surprise in November, December, January, those are my top three months by far. And so I do think back and realize like, okay, well, if I had done like four or even 10 bullet journal videos at that time, and they had just been like, ah, you know, these are nice. Maybe it would have been like, ah, well, you know, this isn't really worth doing. I didn't see, unless I really enjoyed it, I didn't really see the engagement or convergence of people's interests with mine. So who knows? And while creator Matt was doubling down on YouTube, Startup Matt was making a move of his own from ConvertKit to another startup, Podia. Yeah, that was that was a that was an exciting but also really tough time because I love 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 the people at ConvertKit and it's a great product and you know like I said I still use it <laughs> myself and I was I really wanted at this point to push and see like how much I could do professionally like you know just moving up in like status and responsibility and like leadership at a tech company. And uh, just, I'm not saying that they aren't available at ConvertKit regardless because they are, it's a, it's a great company to work for. But for me wanting to be like the director of customer success, ConvertKit had like incredible people and incredible leaders in those positions. Like Matt Newbill was director of success. And then CT is, I believe, still the director of success there. And like, you know, Newbill was like the, you know, VP at his former company. You know, CT had been at Squarespace and Active Campaign. <laughs> like experienced, wonderful, incredible leaders. And so I kind of looked at that as like, well, <laughs> I guess that if that's what I if that's what startup Matt wants to do, then it probably can't be here. And after being sad about that for a little bit, it's like, OK, well, if I'm really like if that's what I really want to do, then I need to start kind of seeing if that's a possibility. Now, I was using Podia at this time for I was using Podia at this time for my courses. And so I had, and I worked with their team to help build the ConvertKit Podia integration. And so I had been in touch with them and I was just having a call with Spencer one day and, you know, we were going, we were just talking about like customer activation strategies and yeah, it just kind of got to a point in the conversation is like, well, if you ever want to make a change, then I would be interested in having that conversation. I was like, oh. Hmm. <laughs> so at that point, it's not something that like I had started thinking about it, but had not like really actively started to look for. But then 
from that conversation to my last day at ConvertKit was only a matter of weeks at that point. That was in April, May, 2018. Well, let's bring this story uh, kind of full circle to round out our conversation here. You just made the the leap to go full-time as a creator about a month ago, maybe just a, mm-hmm. even a couple of weeks ago. Talk to me about that decision-making process. When, when you started thinking about, you know what, I want to make a go at this and how you knew that this was a time for you to make the call? Yeah, it's such a good question. It's something that I would say I'd been thinking about more and more all year because the end of 2019, I like launched that 25 hour days course that I mentioned earlier. And that launch had netted me $15,000. I was like, Ooh, okay. I still had a lot of the same internal doubts of like, okay, well that's nice, but how am I going to keep doing this? And so then the focus for me in 2020 from a like creator perspective was to get more comfortable with selling, developing new products, and then also offering a coaching program, group coaching and one-on-one. After many months of like doing that and being consistent and offering products and services and coaching, my goal was to, well, if I can replace my Podia salary for three months in a row, and have like X number of dollars, <laughs> you know, in the bank in terms of like just some, you know, personal, personal runway, then I'll know that it's time that it's a decision that I can make if I choose to. And another big piece of it is I, you know, after, you know, 10 years now thinking about it and planning for it in one way or another, it was, it was time for me. And the other, the other part was I just had too many things that I wanted to do at this point, ways that I hadn't been able to be as consistent as I wanted to on YouTube or give as many like coaching opportunities to people, or even just like improve the courses that I had, build new ones, start a podcast, like all these things, like I literally just didn't have time for. And it was a matter of looking at it again, probably a little too analytically sometimes and saying like, okay, well, if things are going to change for, if I want to do these things, then either I have to work less, which wasn't, you know, that's not really an option. (laughs) Sleep less, spend less time with my family. It just came back to like, okay, I'm either going, I either need to take a big step back in my side hustle. Like creator Matt is going to have to really go into the background. And it's just like, whenever I can get something out, I'll do it. Or I, it's just time to go all in as, as a full-time creator. And that obviously was the the path that I chose. And I'm just thrilled that it's, that has gotten that it's gotten here that I'm here. Well, I love your story because it, it very much is the, you know, 10 year overnight success story of like you consistently built, you tried a bunch of stuff out, you found your voice, you found your direction, you found your footing, you found, you know, where you wanted to play. But also you had all that time to build out these systems in ConvertKit to have these different offers that are tiered up and ready to go. And I'm glad you you touched on kind of the trade-offs that you are considering at the end there, because people listening to this might be thinking, well, gosh, if you are equaling your salary on the side and you still have the salary, that's a pretty awesome position to be in. Why not just do that, you know, and and live out your days that way. But yep. this, this it sounds like you're feeling a lot of tension of, I want to be doing more on my own stuff and I literally just run out of time. So I have to make a choice. Yeah, I am so glad you brought that up because that was an internal conversation I had so many times and with, you know, other people that I trust and look up to and consider mentors and coaches of my own of, you know, like, oh, you know, if you're matching this and you can keep doing that, that's pretty sweet. (laughs) And I was like, and for a while I was like, okay, yeah, I can just, I'll just automate all of this in ConvertKit and Podium. I'll just have this sweet funnel going. But I did come around to realizing that one, I wanted to give my full focus and attention to one thing in terms of my my purpose and my work. And the other thing was in order to get to that basically doubling of my salary with my side hustle income, it was requiring a lot of additional time for me. So I would, you know, for three-ish years, not that I've ever been a four or five hour a night sleep kind of guy, but five or six was pretty normal. Yeah. And it was Basically every weekend I would, you know, every weekend since our boys were born, they're not twins, but since our first child was born in 2015, like, oh, they're napping on the weekends. I'm going to take that two hours. And (laughs) so 
uh, just having like just some more personal time back and also like focusing, giving my creative focus and energy to one thing. We started this conversation talking about give yourself the expectation you're going to do 10 of these things and then maybe another 50, then another 100. Given that you're very goal oriented and kind of milestone oriented, how are you looking at this decision now for here is the experiment that I'm running and here are the the thresholds that I want to hit as as much as you're willing to share? Yeah, definitely. So a couple of those are I do uh, want to get to very consistent weekly YouTube videos, also a weekly podcast. Now, even with the podcast, I'm giving myself 10 episodes. Now, I think it's going to go much longer than that, but giving myself 10 episodes to really try it out and see how this works. But getting to getting to uh, weekly videos, even on YouTube, I want to get to 100 videos total just in 2021. So getting to a twice a week cadence. And then, you know, in terms of monetization, like we talked about the, well, it was really nice to double your salary. I want to very quickly get to that point where I am earning the double that seemed so nice six months ago, but now it's just doing the one. Now it's just doing the one thing. So those are a few of my initial milestones. Some of them are very outcome oriented and some are like, okay, let's go. Let's go get this and see how close we can we can be. Well, there you have it. Another 10 year overnight success story. I love following this dichotomy between Startup Matt and Creator Matt because it's a split that I think a lot of creators feel. On one hand, we want to make our own things, but sometimes they just can't support us yet. And at other times, we really love our job. So we live with this internal tension, trying to feed the creator side and the job side of ourselves. I love Matt's patient, thoughtful approach to when he decided to go full time. And while it may seem like he was giving up a lot of money in the immediate term to make that leap, he was also gaining so much time to serve his audience and build his business. If you want to learn more about Matt, you can find his YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Matt Ragland or at Matt Ragland on Twitter. Links to both are in the show notes. Thanks to Matt for being on the show. Thank you to Emily Klaus for making the artwork for this episode. Thanks to Nathan Todd Hunter for mixing the show and Brian Skeel for creating our music. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at me at jklaus or find me on Instagram at jklaus and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you next week. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.